Welcome back to Rhymes with Decora, a podcast project of Inspired Media. I'm your host, Benji Nichols, telling you stories about communities you love by people you trust. I uh, have a guest today that uh, I am very excited about. I say that all the time, but I am truly excited today. Uh, I'm not sure how we're going to keep this show anywhere under three hours, but uh, <laughs> it's it's going to happen. Uh, my guest today, Mr. Dave Kester of the Raptor Resource Project. Dave, thanks for being here. Hey, Benji. I'm happy to be here. Thanks. It is awesome to have you here. I am uh, so excited to have you and and myself in the same room. We've been talking about this for a while. Uh, schedules are always hard. We can put it all together. And, uh, you know, it's amazing the work that you do any given day of the week. You might be uh, somewhere different doing something something out on a cliff uh, in a nest, climbing somewhere, rappelling down, uh, you know, in a blind, doing any number of things. But we're going to talk a little bit about Raptor Resource today and, uh, and and, and unpack it all. First, uh, Dave, you've been around Decora for a long time. You've seen a lot of cool stuff. Uh, how did you get involved with Raptor Resource? What year was it, or how long have you been in that, you know, interest of raptors and that kind of stuff? Yeah, well, I'm local. I'm, you know, hometown boy. And uh, back in our day, you know, we were just outside all the time, banging around. And so I've always been outside kid and, you know, did all the things, squirrel hunting, pheasant hunting, just running around as a kid. Gone for the 80s, mostly doing a few different things. And when I came back to Decora, um, didn't really find my thing right away. And in 96, uh, as a lot of people know, Bob Anderson moved to Decora yeah. from White Bear Lake, Minnesota, to further his work on the reestablishment of the Peregrine Falcon, particularly and specifically getting them back on their historical nesting uh, sites uh, on the bluffs on the Mississippi. And I had read about him in the Decor Journal and just happened to be moving back from uh, Perdicheen because I was running one of the Maves restaurants for yeah. Steve White over there at the time. Absolutely. And was coming back and ran into Bob the night I moved back to town. And I was like, hey, you're the guy I read about in the newspaper. <laughs> and, and he's like, yeah. And I got his number. And, and I told him I work nights. So I'm your I guy. I love it. And, I started with Bob. I was out there one of the next days, and I have been doing it ever since. That's amazing. We need to unpack Bob a little bit, but I will first say that your story to someone might sound like complete happenstance, but I think I think a lot of us would have a similar story to how we met Bob. We were out somewhere. We were downtown. Right. We were doing something, and, and like friendly guy, like the next thing you know, you're, he's chatting you up. You're chatting him up about some incredible thing that he's working on. Right. And the Brilliant. next thing you know, you're raptured. Like you're just like you Brilliant know. man. One of the smartest people I ever met. I always went in early days, I told people, God, is, I, I'm hanging on to this guy. It's like having my hands on the tail of a comet. You know, I am sticking with this guy. He was, he was so smart. I learned so much from him. And it was so fun that's, to work with him. That's amazing. So Bob Anderson was the founder of Raptor Resource Project. Uh, and as you've told me a little bit about before, but Bob kind of got his start out west and just had a, a love of uh, falconry as a young person. Right, It was yeah. kind of something that was happening at the time and and just kind of met a handful of the right people in the right places and really went after it, right? Right, right. He was from Boise, Idaho, uh, moved to Minnesota uh, as a young person, but he got into the falconry out there. You know, he just... Met, met the people, and he got started, and it was a lifelong passion, and that was easily <laughs> transferred to me <laughs> once I met him. It's so cool. So, And Bob's professional career is worth noting uh, well, on, on a lot of points, but particularly he got interested kind of in the, you know, the early 80s, uh, well, in the 60s, really, but when the... When the um, 
uh, the uh, peregrines were right. put on the Endangered Species Act or in the Endangered Species uh, list, right? Right. And so Bob had a real strong interest in in like the the processes that were going on to bring peregrine falcons back right. uh, into the wild. Uh, and got really on the forefront of that work here in the Midwest, in the right. middle part of the country, especially, right? He really was. Yeah, that's such a massive story. Um, um, but yeah, he was. He was in the falconry community. Was hugely involved in that. Uh, it started trying to nail this down. Yeah. Um, Dr. Tom Cade uh, at Cornell University at Ithaca, New York, was ground central for that. And the big thing, of course, was and. We, the whole story was DDT and Rachel Carson and her book, Silent Spring, Silent Spring sure, and, yeah. and, and, and all that was going on Eagles, at that time. Right? Yep, 73, yep. we got, you know, the um, Endangered Species Act yep. uh, passed. Clean Waters, you know, Act was passed. And the half-life of DDT was 25 years. The, the other birds, the bald eagle was affected and stuff like that. But the peregrine was over the the the... the crucible over the the Got line it. where it wasn't going to come back on its own they were gone everywhere east of the rockies um and their idea was once the habitat was suitable again is to create a population to release back out there and yeah. it was the falconers their techniques and they donated their hunting hawks the peregrines that they had for hunting oh, their game right. hawks to the captive breeding program up there to create babies and is is what they're called sure. uh, for release uh, and that took the years, and, and it was a success. It took a while, had a few fits and starts, um, and Bob was a part of all that. He knew all the, the head guys, and you know now it's based at the Peregrine Fund sure. in Boise, Idaho. He was a part of all that. Uh, but his, what didn't happen is they didn't uh, go back to the cliffs on their own. And his his yeah. life goal was to get the get peregrines back on historical nesting sites on the Mississippi. That's what's so interesting. And if I had my facts right, I think it's, it was 1986 uh, that Bob was involved in releasing a peregrine that was MF1, and that was sort of the first wild falcon to return to breed in the mid part of the country in mid North America in, in the in the you know since the 1960s. Right, and it just started right. to build from there. That was the start. But the point you made, I think, is really important about Bob's work. And and Bob is no longer with us. We'll, we'll tell a little bit. Of that story but like the, the point of it is again like about realizing where you know you needed to see these birds back onto natural habitat because they were you know where they're releasing like uh you and i've talked a little bit a lot of the sites were sort of industrial sites right, right. or um, towers mm -hmm. buildings like things urban like areas, that is yeah. that right or urban areas yeah uh but and so as the the birds saw that they were starting to reproduce but they weren't coming back to natural areas that was, right. that was the real that was the real point right um, so anyway, it's really interesting to follow Bob's work. Bob was at the heart of everything that Raptor Resource became. Uh, I think one place I remember reading about him and just said essentially, like, if, if you knew Bob or you were a friend of Bob's, like, you essentially just got roped in <laughs> to, to Raptor at some point. Like, that's that, yeah. Yeah, that's how, that's how it was. He definitely had his, his, his core group. You know, and Raptor Resource Project was... In his, that was created for Bob to do what Bob wanted to do. It, it was really just all Bob. Sure. And he was supported. You know, it just was his 501c, you know, so yeah. he could get, you know, nonprofit status and, and get funding, you know. But it was really, it. it was just Bob. That was... RRP was Bob. Your timing personally kind of hit at a really critical time with Bob's work because he had found his way back to Northeast Iowa. He was working with the Iowa DNR, right? He had kind of all the permission to do a lot of this work. Uh, and he was working on putting birds back on cliff sites, specifically in Northeast Iowa, right? Kind of about the time you met him in the mid-90s. Is that right? Yeah, it was. Not, I met him in 96 uh, and, and started work with him immediately. And, and then he started his... Uh, 
he was already doing the captive breeding. He was a part of the whole yep. breed breed birds for releases all along. And then but he could see there was a hole. And that yeah. was the Mississippi River River Corridor. Oh sure. And he, he he was up in Minnesota and without this is a whole other story and I, and I won't bring it out. But yeah. <laughs> but the entities that he had to work with in Minnesota would not work with him. They didn't they weren't signing off on the oh, idea. Interesting. Uh, there was a group down here in Iowa, the Iowa Raptor Foundation, I think at the time, mm-hmm. and the Iowa DNR. And I do want to say Pat Schlarbaum and Bruce Ehrsman, who are both retired from the Iowa DNR, they were non-game guys, biologists. Yeah. Uh, they said, come to Iowa, Bob, we'll work with you. Oh, wow. And that's why Bob moved here. That's so and cool. And then we, uh, so he moved to got that farm up by Bluffton, mm-hmm. um, built the facilities, and then we worked with, on the federal level, at uh, Effigy Mounds National Monument. There, that yeah. site, for anybody has been out there, the farthest one out on the path, or the walking path, is, is Hanging Rock. And they would close that off for two summers, and we put hack boxes, which are, release boxes for putting the babies in sure feed them you know every day we have to sneak out there and and feed <laughs> the mosquito mile that we were talking about oh my gosh and and feed oh. them until we opened up the doors and we still had to feed them these every are, day these are on limestone cliff sides right, right hanging off is, the cliff this is a per, you know essentially where so these birds can't so other other animals that would eat the babies other things you're trying to protect them as much as possible right in natural we setting, had a little right? electric fence to keep the raccoons <laughs> off them yeah oh my gosh. but but so he came to iowa to do that and that's where the releases were yeah and that that was in 98 and 99 cool so and in bluffton and effigy mounds those were kind of the first two bluffton's was kind of a test run we did four yeah. birds up there wow. um Bob Chapman Jr., who's who was here in the area then, he's another raptor biologist, sure. left for quite a long time. And now is back in the area. And in fact, he's helping me with the banding stations uh, that were running. And he's over on the Mississippi. So Bob's back. Oh, but cool. he was there in yeah. that time. And we, we, we hacked out or released those four peregrine babies on that chimney rock right on the, on the Palisade right at Bluffton. Oh, that's that amazing. you canoe underneath every yeah. time you paddle the river. Uh and we watched them every day, and it, and it worked. All four of those birds survived and lived until um, uh, dispersal, fall that's, dispersal. That's incredible. And um, yeah, uh, so it worked. So then we went ahead and continued ninety eight, ninety nine, and then they reach uh, breeding maturity after two years. So the ninety eight birds yeah, okay. in two thousand were looking to set up families, and it worked. We had some of our peregrines being found on cliffs on the Mississippi. One, interestingly enough, wow. was named Gunner. <laughs> if you th- you know, so it was named after one of our local colorful characters. I love it. Uh, that was on Maiden Rock in Wisconsin, and that's still one oh, of wow. the most productive uh, cliff sites on the river. Well, that's the amazing part of this story. So this all started with, you know, a lot of the the encouragement um, because of the peregrine falcons. And by the late 90s, right, it was like 1999, the peregrines essentially came off the endangered list. That's it. They came off the list in 99. And we're still doing this work to get them on the site. Absolutely. Because they weren't, they weren't, they were, the numbers were up, but they were all urban populations. They yeah. were nest boxes on smokestacks. They were, um, which just um, emulates, yeah. you know, peregrine, yeah, uh, it worked to bring the species back. It didn't work to to put them where they should be. They weren't historical sites. They, <laughs> yeah. were, they were in nest boxes on top of U.S. Bank and Lacrosse or in sure. Minneapolis at the hospital, Rochester at the at the hospital. Yeah, they they were looking for these nest boxes and buildings where they were hatched and raised in. Yeah, and there there were peregrines that were fighting over these nest boxes within sight of a beautiful cliff right. that didn't have a, a, a pair on it. Oh, that's so interesting. So right. we needed to release. That was the whole idea. Is we had to release these babies 
on the river, on a cliff. Mm -hmm. So that's what they would recognize to look for when they were trying to set up housekeeping. Yeah. And by the 2000s, by 2000-ish, I mean, uh, you know, I was reading along something like 19 different Mississippi cliff sites and nesting sites. I mean, you guys were it built, the program built up pretty quickly. It was really fast. In a, in a not a lot of years, It was a massive right? success. I really want, Bob was right yeah. and he was right right away. That's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, it's really cool that other organizations saw the work that was getting done and supported it. And, you know, Bob was just, just relentless in his passion, right? I mean, exactly. Bringing, bringing Ab- people alongside it. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> yeah. What an amazing time for you as well to have gotten to know him uh, and what was going on with Raptor Resource also because of, of everything that's to come within the organization, yeah. right? In the, in, the, in the following decade, which we'll run through in a minute. But like, it's just a really interesting time and you really hit it kind of on the head with kind of timing, I would say too, and getting to know Bob, right? I'm just kind of a front end of so much of that. I moved, I moved back, you know, Right when he moved to town, yeah, I met him right away. Yeah, you know, that's serendipity. Such a, that's such a, it's such a cool thing. Uh, so it's really interesting. So the two thousands, you know, you guys are working out on these cliff sites and things. And there's a couple questions I want to ask you about that. I'm gonna we'll do a quick break here in a second and come back in the second half of the show. I'll ask you some of those questions. But for people who don't know, RaptorResource.org is where you can find all the information about the project. Uh, through a, a, I don't want to short any of the history here, so we can keep talking. But a lot of amazing things happened uh, in the early two thousands by two thousand. 2009, the Eagle Cam launched, right? right. The Decora Eagle Cam. Right. Uh, so not only are you working with Peregrine Falcons, you're working with Eagles and some of the opportunities that were here in our area that Bob saw, you saw other people saw the opportunity for. Um, and I think we got to break that down a little bit too, because we talk about this. And at the time when the the online sort of cameras launched, it was essentially just series of photos, right? Series of pictures every couple minutes right. kind of thing, right? Yeah. It wasn't exactly a moving picture. Right. <laughs> but you could see what was going on at the nest. You right. You got to look in and we learned so much right and that was really the precursor to what we now think of as like the nest cams or the uh the nest flicks they're everywhere now this was the first (laughs) yeah and the nest yeah and they're everywhere now it's it's incredible to think about uh bob passed away in 2015 uh but you know left this incredible legacy of folks who were doing the work and people that were doing the work and a team of people all over the country really and all over the midwest uh which is remarkable to think about um so i think we'll We'll do a quick break, Dave. Uh, Dave Kester, my guest today with Raptor Resource Project. Uh, Dave, so many titles. Uh, Master Bander. I like that a lot. We should (laughs) break that down in a minute. Uh, You do a lot of the field research we should talk about here, the stations that's up at Luther College, some of the property here outside of town, a bunch of stuff. So we're going to come right back. This is Rhymes with Decora. Uh, Dave Kester, my guest from the Raptor Resource Project. Thanks for being here. We're going to be right back and uh, talk some more, Dave. Thanks. This is Aaron Henning Nichols, founder and editor in chief of Inspired Magazine. Rhymes with Decor is brought to you by Inspired Media, bringing you positive news since 2007. Find us on stands across the Driftless, or check out our new website, or become a member at iloveinspired.com. Creating stories about communities you love by people you trust. Thanks for being inspired. And the voice of my partner in life and business, Aaron Henny Nichols, there telling us about Inspired Media, Inspired Magazine. Find us on stands across the region four times a year and uh, online at iloveinspired.com. Uh, my guest today, Dave Kester, a decoran. Uh, 
someone who's been with the Raptor Resource Project since the mid-1990s, also a neighbor of mine, <laughs> somebody I'd like to be able to keep up with on a bike. Uh, bikes and birds, right. fun stuff in common, Dave. I love it. Thank you for taking your time, taking time out of your day today. Uh, I should mention it's the fall of uh, 2023 and we're recording this show. We've just had our first snow of the fall this morning. A little early, a little unexpected, but uh, you know, Halloween, it brings it more years than it doesn't. Uh, it's interesting work. What do, what do raptors make of snow? Do they care? They kind of know it's coming, don't they? They sense it. They, uh, they, well, they're, they're, they're smarter they're than well, the average. more well-built for it than we are. Right? Right? That's amazing. It was fun to see, uh, before we started the show earlier today, I was running through a couple of the web cameras and uh, the uh, over on the river, um, through the scenic flyway, kind of, around the Mississippi River, mm-hmm. or up uh, Lake Onalaska, I guess it's called. So right. just kind of nor- on the north side of the cross on the river. It's amazing to see what's out this time of year, but I, I, I just turned the camera on on my computer for a second, and it was like... <laughs> turning on like this entertainment scene from a zoo. It was ridiculous. There were like six <laughs> sandhill cranes. There was a pair of eagles. There was like a bunch more eagles in the background. It's just incredible the amount of uh, migratory uh, waterfowl that come that, through. That's, right? the fit, like, that's the brainchild of John Howe, our executive director. He really wanted to get that up and worked with the uh, federal entities up there, the Corps of Engineers and the DNRs. And yes. it, it, if you haven't seen it yet, it, especially this time of year, yeah. fall migration, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And I'll mention if you go to Raptor Resource, so our R-A-P-T-E-R, uh, raptorresource.org, and look it up. There's a page. They have all the different webcams that are up there, so you can check out whatever's happening at the Decora Eagle's Nest. You can go see, you know, all sorts of other raptor sites. Just really, really interesting stuff, and the Flyway site is up there, too, and so cool. Um, and, of course, Raptor Resource is a nonprofit. Uh, you can find out more information on the website about donating and how to get involved as well. So many people, uh, when we left off right before the break, we were just kind of talking about the advent of the Decora Eagle Cam, uh, and in 2000 2009 when that launched it wasn't sort of the streaming camera that we think of now but it was more of like you could see a refreshed image every couple minutes right. of the eagle nest and what was going on there uh and what year was it where like the the streaming was it just after that kind of in 2009 where it really picked up as like i know it went from there's a process where luther hosted it for a while and then like yeah. you know, it actually became a, a live video stream which is right. a whole well, other thing it, like, it technology so, it, changes well, it's so fast too <laughs> when we started Luther College, you know, they have their their mainframe or whatever it's called, I guess, you know. Sure. And and so we they they were kind enough to let us run our signal through there and after 75 people would get on it, it would crash. <laughs> you know, so that was the beginning. And so then we had more people taking up taking it up than that. So we got Ustream at the time and yeah, that was new right. and we just had to buy whatever bandwidth we used wow and then that worked really well and then i think in 2011 um it started to really grow and get exposed and i know that uh donna waterloo kwwl and ron Steele became big fans of it and they would at every evening newscast they would do (laughs) they would put it up there and do their eagle check-in every night and then from there it just blew up hit cnn i remember waking up one morning it's on cnn right we can actually bob would show me on maps on where these red dots where people are actively watching that's incredible and there was places where they're this red dot in the middle of the ocean and that's because somebody's watching it and they're on a ship oh no way so it, it was all over the place japan china europe 
it everywhere. truly it truly was the definition of something going viral online and you know in 2011 ish is when we're talking about so like the world was just i mean streaming was really just picking up right. steam at that time you know and we think about it, i mean we're a decade later and how how much a part of our life streaming on your phone or your computer is or whatever else and it's it's wild to think about but i remember you know at the time and then looking back at some of the facts but like at, at it's some of its heights and this was all pre-pandemic even but like at the heights of the eagle cam you know hundreds of millions of views right right uh and it, i think one of the views at one point was the one of the most viewed live streams in the world mm-hmm. like it's just incredible to ever think at about, the time right? i don't know where it sits right now but sure. i know it was top at one time yeah, it's really cool. So explore.org as well is really cool to check out, right? Because they have streaming cameras now from all over the world. Right. But they really helped started featuring some of the cameras through Raptor Resource too, right? Yeah, that's been a great partnership. And uh, they were trying early on to do that. And Bob wasn't big on it. He was worried about uh, maintaining ownership of the video and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, and then, like I said, we lost Bob in 2015 and John Howe, uh, who is our executive director, who really picked up the mantle and, and has helped bring RRP to where it is today. Yeah. Uh, worked with him and he understood that world. And so they're great partners. Um, and so we, we run our cams through them and they provide cam operators and we have a bunch, some moderators and we have some volunteer moderators right. that can help, you know, answer questions, keep the content correct you know, and and stuff like that. That's a really cool part of it. Of it really is. Now too, it's not just a, it's not just a live stream, but there's people who are actually you know, they're not only controlling the camera, but they're also commenting on what's happening. Right. You can ask questions at yeah. different times. And Very like interactive that, right? that yeah. way. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, you mentioned John Howe as well. Of course, there's a board of directors with with uh, Raptor Resource and people who've been involved for a long time. Uh, some of those names more familiar locally than others probably to folks, right? Uh, but Neil Reddig was somebody who's involved for a yes. long time. Yep, John yep. John Dingley, the one and only, yes, yeah, uh, was involved from way back. Master if I Dingley, right? Yeah, he like, came down. He you know he was he knew Bob and White Bear Lake. Yeah. So yeah, he came down during all that work. Amazing, as well. amazing. Uh, David Lynch, Ryan Schmitz, uh, Brett Mandernack, right? Brett he Mandernack, was somebody else yeah. who was involved from the way from early long on. ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was there, and like I said before, RRP was built for Bob to do what Bob wanted to do. Yeah. And he was just a, it was see, it's all a bunch of Raptor heads yeah. originally, <laughs> you know, and we were just it was to help Bob do what Bob wanted to do, you know, and now it's growing into more, you know, and I, this might yeah. be where I make my pitch is yes. like, we, you know, we are a bunch of Raptor heads and, and RRP is really growing and we are looking to fill our, our board of directors has open slots and we need people professional people who know how to operate in that world to help us continue growing. That's awesome. You know, uh, we're, we're, you know, correctly, you know, we've done what we can, but we're starting to get in over our heads a little bit. Well, that's what's so interesting is like you said, you know, Bob really started as something like he wanted to to be able to work in this world and revel in this world and it's genius of him to get those pieces in place. But, you know, it's incredible to see what, you know, when a project takes on something that's bigger than you and then becomes larger than life almost in some Mm. ways, it's really incredible to see the the body of work that gets, that is, you know, housed with it. Um, Amy Rice is someone else you've mentioned. And then there's another gentleman whose name I should remember who you are working with right now in your research stations because I think that's an interesting part of the story right too, yeah right? yeah Amy Reese is is, is Reese sorry yeah, about yeah that. she's the heart and soul of of a Raptor resource her and John are the two full-time employees uh and she just does it all uh, once again <laughs> brilliant you know so I mean Bob has a way of attracting 
I don't know how else to say, but good people. The, yeah. You know, the right them, talent. You know, I, totally. Because Amy's just is fabulous. And but the other person that you're not thinking of right now is Bob Chapman Jr. Okay, yes, uh, thank you. Uh, who's 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 lived in Decorah uh before. He's been back now for a couple of years. Yep. And and he's got connections here. He was there during the late nineties. Uh and helped with that Bluffton release time. And then he went off and did his own raptor biology work. He was a kind of awesome. a traveling raptor biologist for, for decades. Wow. Um, and now now he's back, and I, I've set up these uh, two, two projects, these, these autumn migration banding stations, yeah. one here in conjunction with Luther College on Luther College property right he was the original trapper up there i'm on a site that's what made me think of the site because he was there in the late 90s early 2000s and he left okay well cool. my station was over on the mississippi working with john stravers at the time sure also known as hawker yes um yep. also another one of the local musicians around here yeah absolutely but uh, our site was over uh, on the same ridge that follows behind effigy mound so we were over there so I didn't need to, I didn't think about this station until yeah. <laughs> Bob was gone. We lost access to our property and I was living in Decor again, you know? Wow. And yeah. no, I was like, okay, no one's just going to pay me just to go trap hawks. I got to come <laughs> up with something. So Amy or Emily Neal uh, yes. at the time was working at, at Luther in the environmental yep. uh, sciences uh, section up there. And, and Emily and I are good friends, and we I pitched the idea to her, and she, she liked it. And so we our two organizations put our heads together, went down to the Iowa DNR, got a that is really so good cool. REAP grant that RRP matched yes. yep. uh, for the first two years. And that's how we got this station up and running. We take six Luther students on as interns every fall, and they come up there, and I teach them what a raptor is. The different kind of raptors. I teach them how to trap them, how to handle them safely, both for the raptor and the handler. Sure. Uh, they learn how to collect uh, uh, field data, you know, rudimentary field research skills. They learn them how to take measurements on the raptor, band them properly, collect the data. And then the most exciting is always the release of the raptor. Yeah. Everybody loves that. And so we've been doing that now since 2017. Is that work, is that generally kind of done in the fall? It's always, yeah, the fall. Right? There's, there's some people that do it in the spring. The hawks around here don't concentrate like that. So okay. it can be done, but there's a lot of downtime. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> And then, but I've always wanted to be back on the river because that's the fourth largest flyway in the North American continent. Yeah. Um, and I remembered this property that I was on once 25 years ago or so, just getting into hawk trapping. And I was up there, and this is a great place for hawk trapping. <laughs> and here I am now, it's privately owned, contacted those people, and they were up for it. So we're three years in now on this site. It's just across from pikes peak if people are familiar with wyalusing state park in wisconsin yeah, sure, sure. Uh, we're on the next ridge oh, south wow. uh, of that we're right on the mississippi and bob is now he's uh the lead guy over on that so i'm the coordinator of these two That's trapping incredible. sites but bob's the guy over there and he's slaying it you know yeah. he's he's brought his knowledge back from his 
full you know lifetime adult career wow. uh, back to it and has really upgraded that site and like he's probably over there today right now i didn't go up today that's amazing uh, but right. he's over there so so we got those two sites going you know and we call that the research station because that gets all the, the yeah. high numbers and we consider this the education station because the students come here yeah. wednesday i've got homeschool kids coming up oh, awesome. I, ha- I invite i have family members you know yeah. groups coming up i had some last friday so i built the blind specifically large enough because uh, the animals the birds don't care it's just another building right you know <laughs> so it's a really cool thing like you mentioned though in the in the work and how you know you met bob at the right time and got involved in this world of work but it might not be you know an obvious uh something people obviously would get involved in especially as students what an opportunity for right. people to work in the field interact with amazing creatures understand to interact with them correctly and take that love on to you know whatever the next level is right yeah yeah what what they do with it after that you know some of the students are like i didn't even know this was a thing you know right <laughs> right, right right but they they love it and what you know and i got into this benji because i wanted to keep my hands you know it, it, on hawks and in hawk work you know yep. and, and I how can I do this and this is what I came up with but what I tell people now that's not the deal anymore I mean I have my falconry my own game hawks so I still do that sure. but working with the young people nowadays you know and these are these are new adults you know they're college yeah. students yep. and and they're just so thirsty for for these new experiences and, and learning awesome. about stuff that they don't know anything about you know that that's the true joy for me now. I get excited to go up there and work with these guys because they're so fun and they're so excited about doing this and so thirsty for, you know, the knowledge that, you know, that sounds so hoity-doity, right. but, right. but, but what, I can, what I can teach them well, with this. It's fascinating, too, because I, I know roughly where the blind is, but, I mean, you, you can almost see campus. I mean, you're on Luther property. It's on like Luther you can, property, You can yeah. almost see the campus from where you're at. Like right, right. It's, it's just over the, you know, Yeah, if you get hump, on the ridge, you can chuck a rock, you know, and, <laughs> right. and hit the campus almost. Right, that seems like a really unique opportunity. That's so the, yeah, they're on cool. campus, you know, so they really love it. it it's, it's so much fun. Yeah. You know? So I have a couple specific questions for you sure. just with the work you've done because I think and I've heard some of your stories over over the years and different times but so one of the other thing that you do besides like at a station like that where you're you know looking at birds that are there but you're talking and we're talking earlier about reintroducing raptors onto cliff sides so one of the other things you do a lot of as a master bander is uh is actually going out and banding chicks Right Correct. or or young birds, right? Uh, but I'm, in my Bob would never let you say chicks. Oh, thank but, you for correcting me. Well, I would, but and I'm trying to keep it. I'm trying to keep it alive. Please but, do. But, but we're losing ground on that. P- because, please correct me. <laughs> I'm definitely yeah. not. For a peregrine, the proper name is Anias. Yes, which is you know a different word. You know, always say babies. You know, but there's so many. I I can see it in like. The internet forums and stuff. Oh yeah, we're losing us, us old timers. We're losing the battle there. I, I, I like the specifics. <laughs> I, I like it. We like don't to ever learn. call a female hawk a hen. Oh yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Because you get tightened right up. <laughs> <laughs> on the idea of banding and going out on cliff sides, I would imagine there are a few skills. You did you know how to climb when oh, you hell's came bells, back? No. Did you, is that something you had a background here, in at all? Here is my or training. Like, what was yeah? Okay. <laughs> So there's a rock climbing gym up in Rochester. Yes. Okay. And the day before, I'm supposed to go over this sheer 300-foot rock. (laughs) 
I go up there. Bob hands me this harness-looking thing and a couple carabiners and some things with weird French names. And I don't know. I've never handled stuff before. <sighs> Sends me up there, and he has this guy at the rock. I spend 45 minutes learning how to handle this, put it on, go up and down on a rope. And the next day, I go off Castle Rock. Wow. You know, I don't know how I ever got off that thing. That's amazing. I, mean, I don't rock climb. I'm there for the birds. I, I don't know how I did it, but I've been doing it now for, well, that was in 2000. So I've been doing it for 23 years now. That's awesome. Uh, I'm, I've gotten good at it, or at least I, competent. I was a, a not small young person growing <laughs> up, so climbing was not in my lexicon. Okay. And also just in decor, like there isn't a lot of opportunity, or there at least wasn't, it hasn't been over the years. Right. You know, there's right. not a gym, there's not, Luther has some. Anyway, right. it doesn't matter. It really wasn't through, a thing until kind of recently. friends out west, I dabbled into climbing just enough to understand that it was really interesting. I really liked it. It yeah. really pushes you in different ways. For sure. But doing it within the scope of work is kind of a different thing because climbing is an activity that can take up your entire bandwidth of, of just safety and what you're doing and where you're at and where you are. It was a cowboy operation. Yeah, and then throw in, throw <laughs> in, you actually down. have like tasks that you have to complete we, while we doing are, it. We are That's much a... more OSHA, you know, <laughs> dialed in, you know, safety measures, bought hands down. But at the beginning, it was really cowboy. It's that's amazing. I can only imagine. I love it. There's some really good good images I can imagine. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's stories. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. And, of course, the other part of it then, too, is, I mean, you didn't have a previous, um, you didn't have a previous experience before meeting Bob just in, you know, raptors, keeping birds, uh, thinking right. of that. And, like, we have talked about briefly, like, that is a millennia, that is a history-old topic. Centuries, millennia, of, of right. Of keeping, you know, falconers and keeping birds and things like that. Um, and, of course, a much different world now, but, like, something you'd mentioned to me before we started the show is like it's a very self um there it's not self-policed uh there are a lot of rules there are a lot of regulations both mm -hmm. state and federal anymore mm -hmm. but the people who are interested in falconry are there because of the animals because of the birds for the love and, of them and, absolutely and, and, and the passion with them yes and the you know making it, it's happen. not a hobby yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's a lifestyle yeah <laughs> right. truly right that's amazing. Uh, and, and again, like, you know, so if people are interested, like, you know, Raptor Resource, go check out what's there, find out what's going on and, and reach out, right? I mean, that's one of your famous Bob stories you were telling me as well as uh, you might get to know Bob, but he wasn't going to call you up. Right, were, right. You were going to You have had to, to call him every day. You had to show up. <laughs> I love that. I love it. What a character indeed. Uh, Dave Kester has been my guest today uh, from the Raptor Resource Project. Dave, I think it would be so much fun to do a couple more shows in the future. I think it'd be fun to talk to other young people who've gotten involved uh, or go out and you know site visit with you. I have no idea what we could do with this. You, but I think yeah, it'd be you really need to come to up to the blind. We still right? got. We have a month left. You know, love at, that. at least. You know this. This I, this should kick them on this nasty weather today. So, right. Because <laughs> uh, it's been a little slow. Because it's so nice. But no, you need to see it. I love it. Come on up. I, I look forward to doing it, and we'll we'll have to see what we can do about uh, uh, making another show out of it and doing some doing some fun stuff. I'm at your disposal. Awesome. Raptorresource.org is where you can find all the information about it. Go online, find out about it, make a donation, check out the webcams, all of the work. It's all there. Uh, Dave, one other fun question we sometimes ask people that's out of the realm: uh, What's a perfect Saturday in Dave Kester's world these days? Oh goodness! What, what does that look like in Decoraland? Huh? Well. You know, the raptor, obviously the raptor thing, you know, but it's sometimes a seasonal thing. I'm not doing that. But I, you know, by living in Decorah, I, I live in a trailhead. Nice. So I open up my garage door. I pick what style of bike ride I'm doing that day. I pick my bike that, that is appropriate for that ride. And I roll out with one of my buddies or a bunch of my buddies. And I'd go bicycle riding and socialize and 
live in this community. That is the dream, man. That's it, yeah. I love it. I love it. Thanks for sharing that with us. Again, Dave Kester from the Raptor Resource Project, my guest today on Rhymes with Decora. Check it all out, raptorresource.org. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on Rhymes with Decora. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Benji. You've been listening to Rhymes with Decora, a podcast project of Inspired Media. Find us online at iloveinspired.com. If you've enjoyed the music on today's show, it is the work of Mr. Nick Zielinski. Nick is a drummer. He's a decoran. You can find him on Instagram or a bunch of other places at Indicative of Drumming. Also has a series of shows coming up at Art House throughout the next year. We'll talk about that more in a future show. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rhymes with Decora. Rhymes with Decora is a project of Inspired Media. Find us online at iloveinspired.com.